God the glory and the praise. We want to encourage you this evening to hold to his hand. If you got two hands, I need you to clap just like this. Don't you be filled with fear. God's gonna bring. 
my nation needs you. I won't let go until you bless my soul. Father, I'm stretching my hands to the norm of the hell. Hey, 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 if God withdraw thyself from me, where the shall I go? Somebody ought to type it in the comments. You ought to keep on holding. I know the road is rough. Keep holding. The going is tough. Keep holding. The hill is hard. Keep
all over this sanctuary. O thou in whose presence our souls take delight, on whom in affliction we call, you're our comfort by day, our song in the night. You're our hope, our salvation. You're our all. Before the hills in order stood, our earth received her frame. From everlasting thou art God. Through endless years the same. Thank you today. That in the middle of the day, we can gather in sacred space. To worship you. Thank you for these students who are more worshipful than they are musical. I cover their minds now as they come to focus on finals. Let nothing distract them. Let them be fully focused. Now God stand up in your servant. Grant unto me preaching power. Breathe on me breath of God. Fill me with life anew. That I may love what thou dost love. Do what thou dost do. In the matchless, marvelous, majestic name of the master we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence. I got to get myself together. It's a, it's a pitiful preacher who doesn't know how to worship. Let me just thank you all before you leave, man. Wow. Doc. I, uh, I had the privilege of being a music major at Florida State with Dr. Andre Thomas. He is my mentor. And I told him I was coming here. I first heard you all on a recording of my uncle Nathan, Nathan Carter, when you all were singing O Four Faith. I'd never heard black children sing with such profundity and power. Uncle Nathan was your teacher. Wow. That's, we are family. That's my dear family. And uh, you all did lift every voice and sing. James Weldon Johnson was a trustee in the church I pastored. Rosamond Johnson, who wrote the music, was the organist in the church where I pastored. I speak the blessings of God over your life. Your future is already set and secure. The Lord be praised. Thank you. Doc, you are bad. I'm serious. You are bad. I'm serious. Jesus. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> all right. Um, let me get it together. We give all honor to the spirit of Christ. To the wonderful pastor of this church. I am an admirer of his preaching prowess. Try to catch him anytime I can. Dr. Bird, bless you today. Thank God for you. Dr. Wilson, convener of this conference.
to all of these preachers and pastors and lay leaders, saints, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord our God is good and he is worthy to be praised. Well, if you have your Bible or a copy of the word of the Lord, would you, you know, in this modern day, that's what you have to say, you know. Everybody doesn't carry a Bible, but they got a copy of the word of the Lord on something. So I've learned in my church, I just say, take your copy of the word of the Lord. If you wouldn't mind standing with me and turn to the Old Testament book of Second Kings. Second Kings chapter seven. And I want to begin reading at verse three. And there you'll find these words. Now there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said to each other, why sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we'll die there. If we sit here, we'll die also. So therefore come, let us now fall on the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we'll live. If they kill us, we shall but die. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they were coming to the outskirts of the camp, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and horses and the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us, the king of the Hittites, the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. So they arose and fled at twilight and left their tents, their horses, their donkeys and their camp intact and fled for their lives. When the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent, ate, drank, carried from their silver, gold and raiment, went and hid them came back and entered into another tent, carried off from there as well, and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. And if we hold our peace, something worse may happen to us by morning light. So come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the porter of the city and told him, we came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one there, neither the voice of any man, but only horses and donkeys tied, and the tents as they were. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. I want to preach this afternoon as the Spirit shall guide with this thought in our minds. You're not out of options. You're not out of options next next to my my bride of 25 years my best friend in the entire world is dr jamal harrison bryant recently he was telling me a story that left me laughing but left me with a very profound principle even in its simplicity Jamal has a way of finding these obscure islands to go vacation on. Islands nobody's ever heard of. Recently, he went again this past September on a vacation down in South America, some island I'd never heard about. 
He called me when he got back, and I said, man, how was your vacation? He said, horrific. I said, well, what happened? He said, man, you know, I flew from Baltimore to Miami, had a long layover in Miami, flew into South America. They had a car waiting to pick me up. I thought they were taking me to the hotel. They put me in this car and began to drive me into the jungle. He said, after about two hours, I touched the driver and said, hey, man, how much further do we have? To which the driver said to me, sir, you might as well sit back and get comfortable. You have at least another hour and a half. He finally got to the resort and he said it was beautiful, but he was so worn out and angry from the longevity of the day, he could not even enjoy the beauty of the resort. The next morning, he got up and he met a couple down at the pool eating breakfast and they began to talk and exchange pleasantries and he asked them where were they from and they said oh we're from Minneapolis and he said I'm from Baltimore he said I feel sorry for you and he they said to him why he said because y'all live further than I do and I know how long it took me to get here so I can only imagine how long it took you and they said well why do you say that and he began to tell them about the trip to Miami from Miami to South America and the four hour drive into the jungle. And the man started laughing at him and Jamal said, man, why are you laughing? He said, you mean nobody told you that when you got off the plane in South America, you could have commandeered a helicopter ride that would have gotten you here in about an hour. And the man looked at him and said, that's a shame. You wasted a whole day and got all frustrated because nobody told you you had other options. As Jamal told me that story, it brought to mind a monumental reality. How many people give up and throw in the towel, get frustrated and resign from life because they feel like where they are is where they have to stay. There are many people who give up on life and see futility in a fatal way because they let the enemy convince them that they have no option except to settle for where they are. And when they begin to settle for where they are, they begin to call normal what was never intended to be normal. You get in a place where you think it's the only place that you can be. And because you think that you have no options, the abnormality of your existence becomes the normality of your everyday to the extent that you no longer think about having a better life. You no longer think about ministry being better. You no longer think about having a larger vision because somebody has convinced you that where you are is the place you've got to be. But I am a living witness today that God can put you in a place and open up the horizons of your vision to help you understand that even if where you are is a bad place, it doesn't have to be your last place. That God has the ability to show you other options. And the choice becomes yours. Whether you stay where you've gotten comfortable or whether you go and deal with whatever it takes to go get what God showed you. There are many people, many pastors, many leaders, many people who never fulfill vision in their life because they would rather stay comfortable in complacency than take the challenge of 
expectation. So they sit where they are on their dreams, sit where they are on their gift, sit where they are in their ministry, knowing that God has more for them. But because they don't want to take the risk that it takes to go get what God shows you, they sit where they are and die before their time. Right here in this text, we see the example of four men who could have resigned their life to stay where people put them but decided they had other options. I mean, y'all, I know I'm in a room full of preachers. If you just begin to exegete the character of who they are, you would come to the conclusion that they had no reason to have any hope. First of all, we are told they are lepers. Stop right there. It's interesting that there's only four of them, and yet we're not told their names. But we are told their condition. You missed it. It's a terrible thing when folk don't know your name, but they know your condition. It's a terrible thing when folk define your value not by who you are, but they determine who you are is defined by what you got. It's a terrible thing when they don't know your name is Jim, but they know you've been in four churches. They don't know your name is John, but they know you 45 living with your mother. They don't know your name is Sharon, but they know you got three kids and ain't married. It's a terrible thing when people determine your value you by what's wrong with you not 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 only that and i hope i don't get in trouble uh if y'all get in trouble you know i hope you'll invite me back some other time if not i'm gonna say it because i got the mic leprosy was a skin disease mm -hmm. yes so uh they were treated differently because there was something different about their skin uh, I got the mic, so I might as well do it since I'm here. That they were treated differently because their skin issue made people say they were less than everybody else. Woo, it's going to get rough in here now. And what they did was when the famine came, the president, I mean the king, built a ghetto, I mean a colony, where he wanted everybody with the same skin to live in the same place. Now y'all get quiet if you want to, but we about to have some Trumpish colonies where they force us to live. Y'all done got quiet now. Y'all can sit and look like that if you want, but don't act like you don't know what it's like to be treated differently because of your skin. Last hired, first fired. When you learn the game, they change the rules. When you break the glass ceiling, they put up concrete. What do you do? Y'all sit down, y'all seven-day Adventists. Don't act like that. Hey. Hey. I'm Baptist, but if y'all push me, it'll get apostolic in here. Y'all better sit down. They, they have all these things against them. There's a famine. There's a famine that Yahweh has prophesied through the prophet. They've locked down the city. The Syrian army has surrounded the gates of the city and they put the lepers out to die. <laughs> and these four lepers are sitting there with no access to the little food that's left because the famine has come. 
and they begin to have a conversation. I don't have time to preach that, but uh, uh, yeah, it's a terrible thing. The enemy always shows how dumb he is because uh, they got out of this thing because they had a conversation. See, if the enemy really wanted to stop them, then the thing that he should have put the problem on is their mouth. Because the power of life and death ain't in my skin. The power of life and death is in my mouth. And if I just start talking and putting together a strategy, God will begin to show me options. So they said, well, if we sit here, we're going to die. If we go out to the Syrian army, we might die. So I tell you what, uh, if we going to die sitting here, and if we might die going out there, if I got to die, at least I'm going to die trying to be better than I am right now. And that's my word to somebody today. If you got to go out, go out trying to be better. Why sit there and die? Why sit there and be satisfied? Is there anybody today that can say, I came to this conference because I'm not going to sit here and die. But if God's got more for me, I'm ready to get up and go get whatever God. God has waiting on me. You are not out of options. So preacher, how do I strategize to access and actualize the options of potential that God has shown me? Let me give you three quick things. We go into lunch and learn. Here's the first thing. First thing you got to understand the text Taylor to teach us is that everybody you count, you can't count on. Okay. Okay. Um, um, my, my late, my late homo, homiletics professor, Dr. Miles Jerome Jones, Virginia Union University, used to teach this homiletics class called preaching and particularity. And the premise of, of, the, of the class was whenever you see words of particularity in the Bible, you need to analyze them because particularity has implications. Okay, I'm going to come get you. Um, the, the, the historical writer of 2 Kings could have very easily written the opening this way that I'm about to share and it would have changed nothing in the story. They could have said, now there were lepers <laughs> the historical writer could have said now there were some lepers uh, but the historical writer decided to write not in the language of generality but in the language of specificity and particularity there were four lepers mm -hmm. now since y'all are preachers I don't have to go through all of this but you know lepers as I said lived on leper colonies with hundreds of other lepers y'all didn't get it yet so they lived with hundreds but ain't but four in the conversation mm -hmm. there were hundreds in the camp but there were only four in the conversation so because of the particularity I had to ask the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit if they lived with hundreds why did you direct the chronicler of second kings to tell us that there were only four and the holy spirit said mac because while they lived with hundreds there were only four who thought like they thought the rest of the folk in the camp decided to stay 
stay where they were. So they had to hang out with people who thought like they thought about going to get what they wanted to get. They could count hundreds, but could only count on four. And that's a word to every preacher in here. Don't make everybody in your group the folk that can take you to the tailor to get tailor-made suits. Have some folk in your group that know how to chew up the meat of theology and deal with vision. Y'all done got quiet now. Don't have everybody in your group who just know how to shut that thing down. But have some people in your group that think like you think about vision and about ministry and about life. And you better learn that everybody you count won't be there when you need them get what I'm trying to tell you you need folk in your circle who have the right mindset about the future get rid of the folk who satisfied sitting where they are Get rid of the folk mm-hmm. who don't want to study, but they just want to hoop. I'm going to get in trouble now. Get get rid of, yeah, I'm going to get in trouble now. Get, get rid of the folk mm-hmm. who want to drive the Bentley, but don't want to teach their folk how to be debt free. Get rid of the folk. I done got in trouble now. Get rid of the folk who want to take the easy way, but don't want to go get the degree. Get rid of the folk uh, who don't want to study to preach, but they go on YouTube to get it. You get around some people who think like you think about being better. And uh, um, and everybody can't go. Uh, 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 one, 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 one person put it this way. Um, everybody your color ain't your kind. Did y'all cut the mic off on me? And conversely, everybody your kind don't have to be your color. Because what makes you brothers and sisters ain't your skin. What makes you brothers and sisters need to be your thought pattern. The way you think and the way you love each other. Can I say one more thing about this point? I'm going to make up a word. Make up a word. So professor, please forgive me. Um, in this foursome, there were no leperless persons. I don't know if that's a word, but uh, what do you mean, preacher? Everybody in this conversation had leprosy. What, what you trying to say, preacher? Everybody in this conversation struggling with a condition. <laughs> Ooh, see, when I'm going through some stuff, I don't need these holier than thou ain't never messed up ain't never had a problem been holy all your life baby you ain't been holy all your life you just ran out of options I don't I don't need these folk who act like they never been through anything but I need people to come around me who've been through something and are going through something and can grab hands with me and tell me we can come out of this together when I'm going through something don't come talking to me if you ain't never been through nothing because if you ain't been through what I'm going through you can't feel what I'm feeling but if you've been through something you can be my testimony that God will make a way out of no way everybody count 
Can't count on. Hundreds in the camp. Four in the conversation. Let me keep moving. Um, your move of faith will release God's hand of favor. Your move of faith. Now, um, we live in this, this neo-Pentecostal theology age. Where we listen to pimps parading as preachers. Pimping you on a cotton candy gospel that makes God, in the words of Harry Emerson Fosdick, your cosmic bellhop who hopscotches down from glory to give you what you want on a silver platter. We, we have developed this new cotton candy theology. This prosperity theology. I'm getting in trouble. I'm getting in this prosperity theology. Well, God is after making everybody rich, and that the barometer of your favor with God is seen in the tangible assets that you have. And then we develop this theology that goes with it. When the praises go up, the blessings come down, and that sounds good, but it ain't good theology. Because I know some folk who have authentic praise, and they broke, they got cancer, they've been through divorce, they child in jail. Don't get quiet on me in here. What moves the hand of God ain't your shout. What moves the hand of God is your obedience. Come on, I wish I had a praying church in here. You want God to move? It ain't in your speaking in tongues and falling out with a white sheet over you. It's when you are obedient and exercise your faith. Put them, them prayer cloths up you bought at Bath and Beyond, telling folk they anointed. That bottle of oil, that ain't nothing but Western oil, talking about this holy oil. Teach the folk how to be obedient. Teach the people how to get up and move. Because when you move, you release the hand of God. Because you show God you trust him. All right, let me, let me show it in text. Let me show it in text. Text in. They made this declaration. Let's go to the Syrian camp, right? Then the text said, watch this. The text said they had a corresponding action to match their conversation. They got up. <laughs> See, faith is not faith without a corresponding action. You ain't got faith just because you shouted and ran to the altar and sowed a seed as if the preacher was a doctor and you giving him a copay. I've heard Carlton Bird preach. He don't hold nothing back. I'm in his pulpit. I can say whatever I want to say. No. They had a corresponding action to their conversation. So watch what happens. Text said they got up <laughs> to go to the Syrian camp. They get up to go to the opportunity knowing there's an obstacle that might obstruct their opportunity. The, the, the Syrian army. Um, they, they get up to go to the possibility knowing that there is a problem that might prohibit the possibility. 
there's an army down there that might stop us from reaching the potential we want. But they get up and go. And the Bible says when they got there, <laughs> the problem they thought they were going to have to deal with, God had already dealt with. <laughs> Uh-uh, don't, no, that ain't the shout, that's too easy That that would be the easy shout that, I'd, That'd be the easy preach right there To tell y'all that when you get there What you've been trying to work out God's gonna try to figure out, that's too easy That ain't what got me What got me is not that God move But what got me was when God moved <laughs> Read the text, read the text The text says that the lepers got up from the camp at twilight <laughs> it said God moved the Syrians at twilight <laughs> y'all ain't happy come over here uh, the lepers got up to move at twilight <laughs> God moved over here in the camp at twilight <laughs> y'all ain't as happy as I need you to be uh, the lepers got up over here at twilight <laughs> and God didn't move when they got there <laughs> but at the same time they were moving over here God was moving over there I came to make an announcement while you're in Huntsville Alabama God's gonna be moving where you came from and dealing with some of your situations so that when you get back there it's already worked out I dare you to shake somebody's hand and tell them God's already back there he's already working it out he's at your church he's at your business he's at at your house and if you shout in here and if you move by faith in here God's already sit down I ain't got that kind of time He's moving in somebody's house right now. I don't know where you are. He's moving in somebody's ministry right now. I don't know who you are. I came to make an announcement. You thought you came here for a conference. You came here to exercise your faith. And the omniscient God and the omnipresent God is going to be here with you and back there where you came from. Now watch. Hold on. So when they get there, They, they go down there for food. But when they get there, they find clo food, clothes, jewelry, and shelter, tents. <laughs> they went for food. See, when you move by faith, God won't just give you what you were looking for. He'll give you extreme abundance. He'll start giving you stuff you didn't even ask for. He'll start blessing with you, you with things you didn't even know you wanted. But that ain't the only thing. It wasn't just extreme abundance. It was abandoned abundance. Oh, it's going to get good. Oh, it's going to get good. Yes. See, what they found belonged to somebody else who didn't value it enough to take it with them. Well, I wish I had somebody 
Anybody in here know God's got a way of giving you what somebody else didn't want? I feel like being Baptist real quick. Touch your neighbor and tell her, if you don't want it, I'll take it. If you don't want the blessing, I'll take it. If you go run from it, I'll... I got to go. Sit down. Sit down. I got to get women. Yeah, now y'all really not going to like this. Um, when God blesses you, you have to show evidence of maturity in managing your miracle. So they, they're down there enjoying everything. One of the four said, hold up. Y'all know this ain't right. Well, he didn't say it like that. That's McKissick's translation. Said, this is a day of good news. One version, one translation puts it. And uh, something worse might happen to us if we keep this to ourselves. Hold on. That's too easy. The easy preach would be God doesn't bless you for you to keep it. He blesses you for you to bless somebody else. And that is true. But that's too simple of an exegesis. What, what messed me up? Ain't that they wanted to bless somebody. What messed me up is who they wanted to bless. See? Um, see, I'd have been down like four flat tires if they had said, let's go back to the leper colony and tell our brothers and sisters what we found. That ain't what they said. They said, let's go tell the king. Now, y'all are probably more saved than I am. I got a real problem with the four brothers right now. Because it's the king that put them out and left them to die. Are you mature enough when God blesses you to be a blessing to the folk that tried to kill you to keep you from it? Are you mature enough to pray for Trump instead of dogging Trump. Are, are you mature enough to go pray for that deacon that's been trying to plot behind your back to get you put out? Are you, are you mature enough to bless the brother who dated you for five years, never put a ring on and met somebody else and married them in six months? Are you mature enough to be happy for the coworker who got the promotion that they only knew was available because you asked them to pray for your interview? See, See it's easy to bless folk you like. And it's easy to bless folk you know like you.
It's another level of spiritual and Christian maturity to be a blessing to the folk you know don't like you and did everything they did to keep you from getting the blessing. And I see how some of y'all sitting at me, so let me help you. You ought to be able to easily bless your enemies. Because if the text proves me right, and it does, it's the king's fault they got blessed. Come here. They only went to the camp because they had a conversation. They only had a conversation because the king put them out. The king put them out and they had a conversation. They had a conversation and they went to the camp. They only went to the camp because they had a conversation. They only had a conversation because the king put them out. If the king had minded his own business, they never would have got their blessing. See, some of y'all need to send a two-word email to all your haters. Thank you. Because everything you did to me set me up for what God has for me every lie you told every rumor you started every knife you put in my back set me up for my hold on I got about six minutes um, homelex professor there's a tension in the text because they they are better blessed now they got they got food they got clothes they got transportation donkeys and horses they got jewelry but they still got leprosy What do you do when God makes you live with what he can change? I've read my Bible. Other people got healed of leprosy. What do you do when you know the omnipotent God can change anything, but he's making you live with it? What if God's not going to let you get another church? What if God doesn't have as your assignment pastoring but only staff? What if marriage is not on God's agenda for your life? No, let me go deeper. What if God's not going to let the cancer be cured? What do you do? And the text, the text doesn't yield me an answer, but theology does. Um, that sometimes when God allows you to live with something that you know he can change and you know he can change it because you've seen him change it in other people, see it as a compliment and not a curse. What do you mean? What do you mean? 
Maybe God had to deliver them because he knew they weren't mature enough to keep it and still give him glory. But maybe God knows you have a level of maturity because Job's name wasn't the last one put on the bedding table. And maybe God put your name on the table and said, Satan, do whatever you're going to do to him. But I guarantee you when it's all said and done, they still going to bless my name. See, I'm looking for somebody this morning who can say, God, if I got to keep it, I'll bless you. If I got to deal with it, I'll still lift you up. If I got to wrestle with it, I'll still give you glory. I'm done. I'm done. I got one more problem. Quinn, they want to act up, so we'll act up. Um, read the text. Text said, when they went down there, read it. They found food, jewelry, clothing, horses, and donkeys. Read when they go to the king's house. They said, we went down there. We found horses and donkeys. The text said they found food, clothes, jewelry, horses, donkeys. They go to the king. We went to the Syrian camp, wasn't no man there. We found the horses and the donkeys and the tent. But it's in the text. Because the text said they took the jewelry and the clothes and went and hid them. I'm finna sneak punk you when you don't see me coming. Which means they got blessings they ain't never told nobody about. This last shout ain't for everybody. This last shout is for those of you that God has given some private victories. I'm talking about stuff you ain't never told nobody. I'm talking about things you went through you never told anybody you were going through. But God brought you out and nobody ever knew it. I'm looking for a few of y'all real quick who can give God a public praise over a private victory. Go to shake somebody's hand and look at them real quick and tell them, neighbor, you don't even know what I'm shouting about because God did it in private. You don't even know what I'm raising my hand about because God did it in my house. I got to get out of here, but I might as well go on and act up. Go to touch somebody real quick and tell your neighbor, neighbor, I got some private victories. God has done some things for me that I never told anybody about. God has delivered me in ways I never told anybody. God has opened doors for me that nobody ever knew I walked through. Good afternoon. May the Lord God bless you real good. But is there anybody in here who can help me close this sermon? Stand on your feet. If you got private victories, give God a praise. If you got private victories, would you do me one last favor? Take a neighbor by the hand and tell your neighbor, 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 I got private victories. That was the wrong neighbor. Turn on the other side. Put your arms around your neighbor. Shake them and rock them. Rock them and shake them. Shake them and rock them. And tell them, neighbor, neighbor.
victories. I got private joy, but I'm not going to keep it to myself. I got to tell somebody what the Lord did in private. Just find your one person and tell them one thing that the Lord did in private. Tell them one victory the Lord gave you they don't know about. Look them dead in the face and tell them you don't know what the Lord has done for me. I got to get out of here, but I need somebody who ain't ashamed today to say he's blessed me in ways nobody knows. He's healed me in times nobody knows. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he fight your battles? Won't he make your enemies your footstool? Won't he give you joy and sorrow? Won't he give you hope for tomorrow? Won't he dry your tears? Won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he? And because I know the Lord is blessing me, because I know he keeps making ways for me, I can't keep it to myself. I wish I had some old school saints who could say I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I just can't keep it to myself. And let the redeemed of the Lord open up your mouth and say so. Has he blessed you? Then say so. Has he made a way for you? Then say so. Did he save you? Then say so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't he all right? Yeah. We want to thank Bishop McKissick for allowing the Lord to use him so mightily. We want to thank you for coming to this 12 o'clock session. We believe that the Lord has spoken mightily. At this time, we're going to invite Pastor Jonathan Jackson to come in to give us 
our closing prayer. If you'll stand on your feet all over the building. We're asking that you grab your neighbor's hand at this time as we seek the Lord in prayer. Won't he do it? Our Father and our God, we are so grateful. We thank you, O oh God, because you have given us options. You were wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And we thank you, O oh God, today that by your stripes we are healed. And even if we have to live, even if we have to survive with some issues in our life, we know that your grace is sufficient. And for that, we say thank you. Oh God, we thank you for the word that was delivered on today. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless for the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Let everyone who was saved say amen. Amen and amen. Hug your neighbor, tell them you love them. Just before you leave, one of our brothers lost an iPad. If you mistakenly picked up that iPad, will you see one of the officers and turn that in, please? One of our brothers lost an iPad earlier today. If you uh, came across that iPad and if you accidentally picked it up, Please turn in that iPad to us as soon as possible. Thank you. For those of you who would like to be a part of the Lunch and Learn, as we said, there are only 150 slots. They had about 50 before this service started. I would recommend that you go over to the cafeteria now, join Dr. McKissick and those who will be coordinating the Lunch and Learn.
to the road Or there have been uh, popular weapons uh, There have been formed against us uh, Designed to take uh, uh, my joy and ship away uh, uh, The devil thought he had me uh, 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 That I wouldn't break free uh, But I sent him to death With the liberty uh, Swing it up, oh
Get your choir rock on on this one. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it's gonna work. It's gonna That's right. Work. 